0: I've always been intrigued by the strong men of the Bible, men such as Samson, David, and David's valiant gallery of mighty warriors. They possessed supernatural gifts of strength by the power of the Holy Spirit. No doubt Samson was brawny, but apparently he didn't look like the Incredible Hulk. We know his strength was truly supernatural, not only because of his Herculean exploits, but also because Delilah, the woman who deceived him, couldn't figure out the secret of Samson's strength just by looking at him. Well, supernatural, physical, and mental strength are things that we all need in the perilous times that we're passing through. We need moral strength and moral courage. And if you've been feeling down and worn out, this Bible has some good news for us, and it promises New strength to every believer. Yes, the Lord promises even to renew our strength. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Hello, I'm Christine Darg. In these uncertain days, we all want to be strengthened physically, emotionally, and to display moral courage. Do you need your strength renewed like I do? Well, this unique book, the Bible, promises new strength even in old age if we love and obey the Lord and follow Him. When we consider David the greatest and best-known king of Israel. We have to realize that David was not only an ancestor of the Messiah, but he was a type of the Messiah. Bible scholars have pointed out many parallels between David and Jesus. David's name in Hebrew means beloved, and that's what God's voice testified concerning his son. God said in the New Testament, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. In prophecy, God calls Jesus by the name of David. David, in fact, is an idiom for the Messiah. David had his circle of mighty men, and Jesus had his 12 disciples and a larger circle of 70 close followers. David's followers give us some clues concerning the type of men and women that Jesus would call to follow him. David was a refugee from the jealous King Saul, and those who came to David for refuge were also outcasts. They were malcontents, people in debt and people in need of a savior king. We read about them in 1 Samuel chapter 22. All those who were in distress or in debt or who were discontented gathered around David and he became their leader. So these fellows weren't what you call the pick of the litter. They were problematic. They were moaners and grumblers, and they were up to their eyeballs in debt. Well, these are the kinds of people that God delights to recreate into mighty men and women of God, especially if they have a mentor like David and a mentor like the Lord Jesus himself. In fact, the Apostle Paul described the ragtag followers of Jesus in the first chapter of Corinthians. I'm going to start with verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, and not many of you were noble by your birth. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before God. It is because of him that you are who you are in Messiah Jesus, because he has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, Paul said, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Well, David was physically strong, but first of all, he was humble. He was bold, and he was a man after God's own heart. And so he was qualified to train others. I've always enjoyed studying his giborim, that's the Hebrew word for the mighty men that are listed in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Verse 8 of that chapter starts out, These are the names of David's mighty men. josheb besh who was chief of the three, he raised his spear against 800 men. He killed them all in one encounter. Wow, that sounds like the same kind of supernatural strength of Samson, the Bible strong man who was chronicled in the book of Judges. Samson took down a thousand Philistines in one fight. And when Samson was ambushed, the only weapon he could find was a fresh jawbone, a fresh jawbone of a donkey that wasn't too brittle. Think about that. A jawbone of a donkey was all Samson had to fight with. And afterwards he sang a song of victory in Judges fifteen sixteen, with a jawbone of a donkey. Heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed a thousand men. That's God's Jewish sense of humor. In the Bible, God used a donkey to speak a reprimand to a corrupt prophet. And in the case of Samson, God gave him an embarrassing weapon to conquer Israel's enemies. You see, God delights in using humble instruments. I'm sure Samson would have preferred a new shiny sword rather than the new jawbone of a donkey, but he had to make do with what's available. Many times we want something we can't afford or that's beyond our reach, but God gives us something common and ordinary to use. He makes us have to be resourceful, and then he gets all the glory. Well, can you imagine facing 800 opponents as David's mighty man did? or a 1,000 opponents, as Samson did, and beating every one of them. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he granted supernatural strength in the past, what's to stop him from doing the same thing again in the last days and during the tribulation? After all, supernatural strength, a strength that's not our own, is one of the many gifts of the Spirit that I've written about in my book, 50 gifts of the Spirit. Now, we know nine gifts of the Spirit are listed by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but that list is not by any means exhaustive. Just because Paul talked about nine gifts doesn't mean that the possibilities are limited to only nine. You see, in that chapter, Paul was discussing certain gifts because those gifts were apparently being misunderstood or misused, or perhaps abused. But God is a creative God, and He offers us more than nine gifts. In my Bible studies, I found at least 50 gifts, and counting, that are imparted from time to time by the Holy Spirit as He wills, such as, for example, the gift of hospitality, or the gift to make melodies and worship music. Many gifts aren't listed in 1 Corinthians 12, but. They're definitely found within the body of Messiah. And so I believe the gift of supernatural strength is available by faith for anybody who dares to believe for strength from one degree to another. Let's take the Apostle Paul, for example. The Holy Spirit showed me this morning to include the Apostle Paul among those who received supernatural strength. Now, Preachers who fail to uphold the biblical doctrine of divine health are always trying to point out Paul's weaknesses. Well, he did have a thorn in the flesh, but I don't think it was blindness, as many preachers often speculate. Paul said his thorn was a messenger sent from Satan to persecute him and to keep him humble because of the abundance of revelations that he'd received from God. If you look at the strength Paul had to travel the world, it's amazing. People are always telling me they don't know how I do it, how I travel around the world preaching the gospel, but it's a lot more comfortable today than it was in the days of the apostle Paul. And his catalog of a wide range of trials that are listed in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 include working harder than anybody else, surviving dangerous journeys for years and years, surviving three shipwrecks, surviving day and night in the open sea, and being flogged five times with 39 stripes and beaten with rods three times. And then he was stoned literally to death. He was dragged out of the town and left for dead. But after being stoned and being left for dead, the record in the New Testament, the book of Acts says that he got up and moved on and kept preaching. And he handled all the mental pressures as a spiritual father of praying for and pastoring all the churches and so forth. People, That's supernatural strength. And I want some of that, don't you? Well, the women of Israel, when they were slaves in Egypt, were granted such supernatural strength that their babies were popping out before the midwives could arrive. Pharaoh had decreed that the midwives should murder the babies while they were being born. But God took care of the problem because supernatural strength is a gift from the Lord and the women delivered the babies before the midwives could even arrive. Most people know the story of David and Goliath. Now David didn't take down the giant in hand-to-hand combat, but he received supernatural strength in the form of moral courage and prowess with his slingshot to target the giant and knock him unconscious, and then David cut off the giant's head with Goliath's sword. How did David receive the moral strength and courage to take on the evil champion of the Philistines? Well, David had already fought a lion and a bear, and he had prevailed over them. And now David uses words to talk himself into this. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, the chapter about David and Goliath, he said defiantly under a powerful anointing to that cursing barbarian Goliath, You come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel, because the battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. David knew he and God were the majority. And of course, David won the day. Now let's look at another strong man in the list of David's mighty men in 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 9. The next one is Eleazar. It says he was with David when they taunted the Philistines into battle. The men of Israel ran away, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines. He cut down so many of the enemy that his hand froze to his sword. And the record says the Lord brought a great victory that day by the hand of Eleazar. So like the other mighty men, Eleazar was a terminator, stronger than Rambo. He struck down so many enemies that his muscles clamped to his sword. Verse 11, next to Eliezer was a warrior named Shammah, famous for defending his turf. The Philistines banded together at a field full of lentils. Again, Israel's troops retreated and ran away, but Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. And in my mind's eye, I could see his choreography as he kicked and spun around, wielding his sword, and he struck down so many Philistines that the Bible says, the Lord brought about a great victory. What does this teach us? For one thing, it teaches us that God's not obligated to win battles through many or through the few. And in these cases I'm mentioning today, God got the glory by using single individuals. David's mighty men were strong and also adventurous. I like that. One time, they broke through a Philistine garrison just to fetch water for David from the well in David's hometown of Bethlehem. But because they risked their lives, David wouldn't dare drink that water. I also admire that so much in David. He poured out the precious water as a drink offering before the Lord. That's the kind of role model and mentor that made his men into great men. Benaniah is another of the mighty men in the list. You don't hear too many preachers preaching on Benaniah, but he accomplished great exploits. He was one of David's loyal men and a valiant fighter. He struck down two of Moab's mightiest warriors, described as lion-like men, exceedingly fierce in other words. Benaniah also jumped into a snowy pit with a lion and killed it, just as Samson had killed a lion with his bare hands, and David had killed a lion and a bear. Mighty men. Well, Jesus' kingdom is about doing exploits in the Spirit, and Jesus also jumped into a pit with a lion. You say, where is that in the New Testament, Christine. But Jesus, after he finished his work of redemption and making atonement for us on the cross, descended into hell, into that pit, and defeated Satan. Will you respond to Jesus by receiving him and living by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for us and died for us? Jesus is our David. He's looking for some disgruntled men and women who are in debt and who are weak And he wants to recreate us into mighty men and women of God to his glory. Some of the weakest people physically I've known have become mighty in God in prayer. They may not be well known, but they're known in both heaven and in hell. You see, the demons knew Paul, the apostle. In the book of Acts, some Jewish exorcists were going around praying for people in the name of Jesus, whom they said Paul preached. The demons turned viciously on the exorcists and beat them up, saying, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? When the angel Gabriel visited the prophet Daniel, he said that heaven knew Daniel and that Daniel was greatly beloved. So let's stop trying to have our 15 minutes of fame here in this temporal existence. Let's hope and pray that our names will be known favorably in heaven and feared in hell. At great, great expense of his life's holy blood, Jesus forfeited his life for you and me. So what's your life going to be about? Well, to sum up what we've said so far, I'm Christine Darg, and if you've just joined the program, it's my delight to be sharing with you today about the gift of supernatural strength. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, my soul. And all that is within me, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion and satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Also, Isaiah 40, Verse 31 is a favorite and should be memorized by every believer. It says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. As I said earlier in the program, Second Samuel chapter 23 describes the list of the mighty men of David and There are about 37 in total who attain to these positions as David's mighty men. They are one of the so-called halls of fame in the Bible, or it would be more accurate to say it's an honor roll. The list begins, these be the names of David's mighty men. And the Lord also has his own heroes, and he knows their names and their characters. He knows all of our works. From verse 8 to the end of the chapter, there's an account of men who had distinguished themselves in the service of David by their might and prowess, and they were rewarded with promotion in places of honor. And you know, our King, Jesus, the Messiah, he's our captain. He's David's greater son. And Jesus also has his mighty ones, men, women, and children whose exploits are remembered and written in heaven. Some of these mighty ones are well known in earth and others are not so well known here, but their noble deeds and all of their sacrifices will never be lost in heaven. God says that there are books up there that will be open in the future because heaven is recording our deeds. Well, David's mighty men had admirable qualities that should characterize every believer today. They had a great deal of strong fervency and zeal for the Lord's honor. And they were certainly strong in faith. That means they were unafraid. There are too many fearful, unbelieving believers today. We need to check ourselves and see if we're truly trusting the Lord. Not once does this Bible tell us to worry about something or to get stressed out over something. The Bible doesn't instruct us to try to figure out everything. But instead, over and over, the Bible clearly commands us simply to trust God. We must never think we know better than God. But when we trust God, no matter what, we've made real spiritual progress. Another quality of David's mighty men was their love and loyalty to their king. It's so great to see that rare quality. A selfish or disloyal man or woman can never be a hero. Of course, all the commentaries point out the strong sense of duty and risk-taking that were necessary for these men to obtain to the ranks of the Giborim, the Mighty Ones. Courage was probably the number one characteristic of these men, actually. If you want to be in the ranks of God's Mighty Ones, we must become men and women of courageous prayer. Earnest, genuine, honest prayer results with having power with God and with men. My reference for that statement is Genesis chapter 32, where we find Jacob wrestling all night with God in prayer. And because of Jacob's perseverance, God changed his name to Israel, meaning prince with God, because God said, you have prevailed with God and with men. And over in the New Testament, James 5.16 exhorts us that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman avails much. So our children and our disciples become what we are. David was brave and he inspired his men to bravery. They became mighty through the influence An example of a mighty leader. I like what I read one commentary said. It said David's mighty men, either consciously or unconsciously, imbibed of his spirit and imitated him. And in like manner, our leader and commander of the people, the Lord Jesus, infuses his own spirit into his faithful followers. And so we can become mighty through close union and association with him. We become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are strengthened with might inwardly by God's Holy Spirit. I want to say that some of the most noble of the Lord's mighty ones are found in prisons, enduring pain, suffering, and persecution for long months or many long years. Some of the most mighty ones are also willing to visit the sick and the afflicted, and they're not fearful of infectious diseases and other dangers. Well, it's fascinating to me that the Bible doesn't teach favoritism. David's mighty men were from various tribes of Israel, and there were even some Gentiles in the mix. But each one achieved his own distinctions. The qualities they had in common were bravery and loyalty. And it's the same with those who follow the Lord today. We come from every possible background, from every level of society, and from all nations. Some are intellectually sharp and others are simple, but exhibit bold, brave hearts. We have our own personality and destiny with the Lord, but the one thing we have in common is that we must all show bravery, courage, and loyalty to him, faithfulness to the end. And David promoted the men who distinguished themselves by their bravery to posts of honor. Likewise, in the world to come, our Lord taught that those of us who remain faithful to him will be advanced to higher positions of trust and authority in his kingdom. Now, as we draw this program to a conclusion, I'd like to suggest that We shouldn't be content just to exist on a low level as believers, but we should aim to be mighty in spirit. Not to be puffed up, but to seek strength to advance the Lord's work. We can be mighty in spirit and even be strengthened in our physical bodies by faith through supernatural union with the strong Son of God. Can you believe for that? Well, ultimately, of course, it's not by might. nor by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. Because without the Lord and His Spirit, we can do absolutely nothing. With His help, in these last days, we're believing the Lord of the harvest to help us to win at least a million souls in the time remaining before the second coming of Jesus. And so we covet your prayers for strength. After all, Daniel 11.32, on which this program is based, promises that those who know God will be strong and do exploits. So if you're a watchman on the walls, we'd like to stay in touch and chat via the social media. We also invite you to visit our website at exploits.tv, where you can click online to receive a copy of our free color magazine. And on our website, we publish important weekly prayer points for watchmen on these walls, as well as notices about our upcoming events and prayer convocations in the Holy Land. And it will be a great help if you share this video and tell friends about our website. Until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Dark. Shalom.